If you got your Bible this morning, before we pray, I want you to look at a verse here. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It goes Galatians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 1. This morning in pre-service prayer, we prayed this scripture over you. And I just want to pray it again before we get going in the word. If you're there, say, oh yeah. If you need a minute, say, hold up. Bible drills. All right, here we go. Let's look at, let's look at verse 17. It says this, says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, somebody say to me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That God would give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of him. And then it says in verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened or open, that you would basically see the mysteries of God. It says that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that his, that's, not, that's obviously his calling for your life. And it says, where are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And then I love this. It says, what is the exceedingly, uh, exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, anybody believe, says, according to the working of his mighty power. Man, that's pretty good, right? So here's what we're going to believe today is that God's going to open up the eyes of our understanding. That he's going to give us a spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation. Does anybody want that today? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for every person that's here. Father, I realize today that God, just all around the room, we're all at different spots in our, in our spiritual journey with you. Some of us are just starting. Uh, some of us, uh, have been, have been walking for a long time with you. And there's even some people here today that, that maybe say, you know what? I'm thinking about it. I'm kind of here checking it out and I'm not so sure if I'm, if I'm willing to take that step. But Lord, wherever we're at today, God, we just prayed this scripture over our lives, God of Ephesians, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, God, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom today and the spirit of revelation, God, that we might know you. God, there's nothing greater in this life than knowing you and walking with you. And so, Father, today, as we open your word, Lord, we just ask today, God, that God, that we wouldn't just sit here and try to make excuses, but Lord, we would just sit here and go, man, we believe it by faith. God, we believe it in faith. God, we believe it in faith. Lord, we believe today that your power is as strong as it's ever been. God, that you have the ability to do anything still that even as you said in the gospels, that all things, that all things are possible with him who believes. And Lord, today we just say we believe. Can we just say that today? Can we say, God, we believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, Kim, thanks for hanging out with me and helping me out today. Let, let, me, let me say this before we get rolling. There might be some moments, we'll just kind of go with the, go with the Holy Spirit, that uh, today we, we may have a little interaction. And uh, so just come with, come with some expectation. And we may pray in the middle. I'm not real sure yet. But if we do, j- just don't blow off that moment. Grab a hold of God and say, man, God, I believe you can do something great in my life today. Yes, I believe that today when I leave here, I'm going to leave different than when I came. Yes? All right, so anyway, so this morning... Uh, we're going to dive into the third part of our current five-part series that we've been talking about. And that series is called Promises. And um, we're kind of using this series to basically to give you uh, a picture of our vision and our forward movement as a church. And so uh, today, if, you, you know, if you're visiting with us today or maybe you haven't been here in a while, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have been sick and all kinds of stuff. But if I can kind of maybe give you one statement to kind of bring you up to speed where we're at as a church, 
is simply this, that we have decided as a church uh, to dig our roots deep into four promises, four core promises that God gave us in his word. Okay. And uh, how many of you guys know that when you, when you align yourself up with the word of God, you're never going to go wrong. Amen. So today you're going to see when we start talking about these four promises, it'll kind of give you a picture of what God desires to do in your life, but it'll also give you kind of each phase, each step of our spiritual journey with him. So once again, there is a progression in this. So let's uh, go to the word and let's uh, look once again where these promises are found. It's in Exodus 6, 6 through 7. You can jot that down in your notes and we'll have this on the screen. This is what God said uh, to every single person, okay? He said this. He said, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians or from the world, from the world system. And he said, I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. And he says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So, so today, just looking at those two verses, once again, these are all throughout the Bible, but what is God promising us? He's promising us four things. He's promising us salvation. He's promising us freedom. He's promising us restoration. And lastly, he is promising us fulfillment. That's good news, isn't it? So listen, last week we talked about the first promise, once again, that salvation. And this is where God said this. He said, I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So today what we're going to do is we're going to turn our attention to the second promise, which is freedom. And this is where God said this. He said, I will free you from being slaves to them. So I want to I start today by simply answering a real simple question, and that's this, that what's the difference between salvation and freedom? Because so many people, they can read that scripture or just a normal conversation, they can think that they're very similar, but they're not that similar at all. Actually, there's a, a pretty big divide in it, and I want you to grab a hold of, of, of that divide today. So anyway, so concerning salvation, here's what the Bible says. It's a very familiar scripture, maybe a different translation, but it says this in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says that God saved you by his grace when you what? Come on, we've got to wake up this morning. God saved you by his grace when you believed. believed. And it says, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I love that scripture. See, in other words, the Apostle Paul is saying this, is that when it came to us receiving salvation, that you and I, we didn't have to earn it, we didn't have to work for it, we didn't have to prove ourselves worthy of it, we we didn't have to clean ourselves up to get it, we simply had to do what that scripture says, and we had to believe, and instantly, God did the rest, amen? That understand that the Bible says that literally this, that as soon as we believe that God forgave us of all of our sins, in fact, I love the language that the Bible says, it says that he remembers them no more. Love that. That he puts it far as, uh, from the east to the west. Puts it in the sea of forgetfulness. And then the Bible goes on to say that as soon as he did that, obviously he gave us a fresh start in life. That's what the term is, born again. You got a new start in life. You're born the Spirit, born from above. You became a new creation. Isn't that great news? Listen, I'll tell you what, when I gave my life to Jesus at, at really, uh, you know, 18 years old, when I gave, man, I'll tell you what, even at 18 years old, man, I had so much garbage in my life, I was just so thankful that, man, God gave me a new start. It's almost, if you can imagine, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy, I like art, so if you can imagine that somebody throws up a big white canvas that's just blank, and God says, man, that's your life. That's cool, right? That's cool. They says, man, now you can paint on it however you like of what you want your life to be like in me. That's good news. So with that amazing truth in mind, how many of you guys know that just because Jesus made you new on the inside, it doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of you got the memo? 
Yes? That, that literally that a person can be saved and they're on their way to heaven, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're still not hanging on to a pile of baggage. Just a bunch of old baggage, old junk. In fact, the, the, the picture I have in my head is just, is just someone, uh, you know, just with this massive backpack on and they're just weighed down, right? Just, just trying to get it, right? And, you, you know, I think about my, my friends that are in the military. I got, some, I got some buddies that, man, they're, they're like skinny people. You know, they ain't been the buffet like me. They're skinny, right? And, and, and those jokers are carrying like, I don't know, well over 100 pounds in their rucksack and their gun and, their, I mean, and all their equipment. You know, that's pretty impressive. But so many of us, man, that's what we come into our Christian life like. We are just so weighed down by the burdens of life, right, and our past stuff. Yes? See, that's, that's why we need freedom right there, okay? So, so freedom is different from salvation this way. Salvation takes care of our eternity, but freedom determines the quality of our lives while we're still here on earth. So if I can kind of give it to you maybe in really practical terms, uh, salvation, that first promise, once again, is instant. Freedom, the second promise, is a process. If you want to get in a real uh, theological term, it's, it's called sanctification. Now, obviously, there's some people that believe that as soon as you ask Jesus in your heart, you're sanctified. That's true. Okay, that means set apart. If I, can maybe, if I can maybe give you a word picture of what that would be so you understand what sanctified means. Sanctified doesn't mean perfect. It means, once again, set aside for a unique purpose. It's kind of like this. Um, I remember when, when we got married, Jen and I did, almost 15 years ago now, I think, okay, that uh, my, my aunt bought us some china, right? Now, is that china perfect? Yeah, I'm talking about dishes, not, not the country. All right, y'all work with me, okay? Or I forgot, there's a China, Maine, too, in Mexico. I, y'all, somebody's confused up in here. So anyways, um, I'm going to China today. Anyway, so, so she bought us that. You know, what happens is, is, is somebody buys us China or we buy China, and then we have a special place that we put it, right, in our house, and we only bring it out basically when, when it's a special meal. Are you guys with me? But once again, it doesn't mean it's perfect. It just means it's been sanctified, set apart for a special purpose. It's the same thing that, uh, you know, when we get married, right? That individual that we get married to, our marriage is not perfect, but that marriage is now sanctified and set apart away from everybody else, right? And it's now intimacy between us, yes? And and once again, it, it is sanctified for a special, unique purpose. I'm making sense to you guys. So, so watch this. So the Bible says this in Hebrews has a really unique thing. It says that we have been sanctified and we are being sanctified. So it happens immediately when he pulls us out of the kingdom of darkness, puts us in the kingdom of light. But now there's a process that's going on where he wants to bring us freedom. Oh, that's free. Wasn't planning on saying any of that. There you go. All right. So watch this. So let's take a moment. And let's look at this from another angle, because I think this kind of help it make uh, a little bit more sense. So. To do this, I want to dive back into the original story that was in Exodus 6, okay? Now, a lot of times what I've found that is that when I read the Bible, maybe you do this too, that when I read the Bible, sometimes I can get a hur- in a hurry and I just read at surface level what I read, right? Just trying to get through it, right? And, uh, and sometimes I have to remind myself to slow down and begin to read between the lines so I don't miss the whole picture, the big story that Jesus is trying to give. Anybody ever been there? And, and so, so uh, it's easy to look and just read this Exodus scripture and just kind of breeze through it. But I want to I take a minute, read between the lines, and look what's really going on here, okay? So remember in the original context where God is making these promises, that I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. He was talking to a group of people that had been slaves for 400 years. 
to wrap your brain around, that's almost twice as long as what we've been a country. That's mind-boggling, right? So, so, and to be more specific, he was talking to a generation that had never experienced life outside of slavery. So if you can imagine, grandparents, parents, and children were all born into slavery. That these guys had never known what it was like to be free, right? It, it, it's like it, literally when they sat back, there was never a moment that they didn't remember being in chains and being forced to, to follow some order of some cruel taskmaster. That they, uh, they knew nothing, once again, how to be a free man, free women. All they knew is, is someone towering over them day after day, hollering at them, whipping them, and demanding that they work until they drop. Are you all getting the picture here? Listen, after living like that year after year, year after year, literally decade after decade, for 400 years, watch this, in one day's time, literally from Monday to Tuesday, right? Guess what? Not 10, not 20, not 100, but approximately 4 million people, wrap your brain around that, were suddenly released from the bondage of slavery and expected to go uh, basically create a new life for themselves. That's crazy, isn't it? Are are y'all following me? So, you know, it's, it's kind of this. It's like you, you would think that that would be simple, but, you know, because you go, man, you know, being free is better than being slaves, right? But, but to think about that, that this unique issue that here it is that God's great deliverance of them leaving Egypt and, and working their way to a promised land that God promised them, it basically created a whole new host of problems that they had never experienced before. Right? So, so, you know, we know the Bible. We, we know that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Why did they wander in the wilderness 40 years? Because they had baggage. And I'm going to talk about what they were carrying. and talk about what was on the inside of them. Right? And, and here they are. They're, they're basically uh, 40 years working on how can we begin to be a free society all over again? How can we reprogram our thinking and change our hearts and, and understand that, man, this is how we do it. And if you read through the Old Testament, you see that there was one word over and over and over again. It's called conflict. Right? Because once again, because of where they came from. So let me, in fact, just ask you these questions. Do, do you think that just because their geographical location changed, that it magically caused the scars of their past to disappear? Do, do you think because the geographical location changed, that the memories of things that were said and done to them were instantly forgotten? Or do you think for a second that just because they left out of Egypt with abundance, right, that somehow in their hearts that they weren't angry at the Egyptian that beat the crap out of them all the time anymore? Right? You, you can't listen. You cannot tell me that these people did not have PTSD. Right? So, so imagine, imagine the dreams and all that stuff that they would have and the emotions that was charged because of everything that they've been through. So here's what I found out in life. That once again, in comparison, man, we're not that different than those guys. Does that make sense? And, and, and let, let, let me help you out here. It's because even after the children of Israel left the land of Egypt... There was still a little bit of Egypt left in them, right? I've been saying that for weeks, but it's it's this idea that even though they were free people, once again, en route to their new home, they still had a slave mentality and they still acted like slaves. They still had a wrong view of themselves, had a distrustful view of God, still had a skeptical view of their future. To put it bluntly, gang, uh, their thinking was really messed up. Right? To put it lightly. And so once again, I you know, I keep saying this because I want you to get the picture. God got them out of Egypt. But now I had to get Egypt out of them. Okay? So what happens is, is God comes and instantly saves us, right? 
But now he's got to work on all the stuff that we had for how many ever years in our lives. Yes? And once again, that's what freedom is for. So if I can actually say this, and you can jot this down if you're taking notes, but here's what freedom is all about. Freedom is all about closing the doors on our yesterdays. That's so good. That freedom is about closing the door on our yesterdays. Let me give you two verses here of how Paul said it, just because I love these verses. These verses have changed my life. It's what it says in Galatians 4, 5 through 7. It says that we might receive the adoption as sons. So that's the context here. And then it says in verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Watch this. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a what? A son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I love what Romans 8, 14 through 17 says. Same lines. It says, For as many... As, are, as for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. To understand that. That you were in bondage here. He broke all that off. And then when you start walking with him, he didn't add more bondage. Yes, but so many of us feel like that. Right? And it says, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, the Holy Ghost, right? Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Here's why I'm saying this. Because God wants all of us to, to quit thinking. He wants us to be free of, of slave thinking so we can begin to think and live like sons. That's good news, right? It's great news. He wants us to live like sons. If you can, maybe just today, sometime, maybe throughout the week, just do this. Just do yourself a favor and begin to ask God, God, show me the difference between how a son thinks and how a slave thinks. Show me how they carry themselves, how they act. And and I think some of us will be amazed by how much uh, slave mentality or orphan mentality that we have versus how we feel as a son, as an heir, right? As a joint heir of Christ. Even in this verse, it says this in Romans 8.32. It says, For if God did not spare his own son, how much more will he not also freely give us all things? But yet, why we beg and plead? (laughs) He freely gave it to us. So we have to put ourselves in a position of just simply receiving it. Amen? All right, so let me share with you uh, three things, three things that freedom brings in our lives. And man, I just want you to uh, reach out. This is so simple. It's nothing new that we haven't talked about, but just grab a hold of it with some faith today, okay? Remember, remember as we go in this, the Bible simply says this, for whom the Son is set free is free indeed. So let me kind of add a question, not to beat anybody up, but I think sometimes it's good to, to search your own hearts. We know the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank God. Jesus said it, right? It's in John. Boom, right? Scare me. But how many of us live like it? That's where we all, that's the goal. That's where we want to be. That we just don't say we're free, but we actually live free, and our lives actually look like there's a lot of freedom. Now, now watch this. Before we go into this, there can be things, we say it this way. We as the church, a lot of times we categorize sin. Right? These are the majors. These are the minors. And at the end of the day, listen, fear and worry can be just as much bondage as if someone's a crackhead under a bridge. All right? There's freedom for both of those. Okay? If it's depression, whatever. If it's, if it's gluttony, if it's... Listen, there's freedom. Right? And here's, here's what I found, found uh, to be true. Okay? Is that a lot of times it's, it's like... Here, I'll pick on myself. Okay? I'd really like to be 15 pounds skinnier. You know, get back to my fighting weight, you know, where I actually run and things didn't hurt, right? So, um, but here's the problem, okay? I want to be skinny, 
but I don't hate eating. <laughs> right? It's, and so often there's these things that we want in our life, but the truth is we really don't want freedom. We want relief. Yes? And, and the thing is, is God's not, God's not promises, promising us relief. He's promising us freedom. And, and the, reason, the reason because we don't really want to change, that's why we never really change. Okay, that's why we never, never really go, uh, man, the freedom that Jesus made is available is really happening in my life. It's ultimately because we don't really want it. Y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? So y'all think about that today while y'all eating that bucket of fried chicken. All right, so anyways, I'm kidding. Anybody even like fried chicken in here? I talk about fried chicken all the time. My sister from the South, God bless you, South Carolina. Yeah, Hallelujah. I'm going to North Carolina in a month, y'all. I'm getting some real Mexican food. I know, know, I know that's not like legitimate Mexicans, but hey, we're going to, we're as close as we got. All right, here we go. I'm so pumped. It's bad when I'm going to a, I'm going to a conference, and I'm more excited about the food I'm going to get than the conference I'm going to. That's why I'm not free, right? There you go. All right, so the first thing freedom brings into our lives... Number one, and don't take it lightly here, it's victory over sin. Victory over sin. Let me maybe say this before we go into it. If, if you uh, sit back and you go, I don't have any. I, I would just encourage you, of any time that you're in worship, any time you're really praying, if God's bringing kind of something up to your heart and you keep brushing it off, that might be the sin he wants you to get rid of. Okay, Because once again, I, I think it's so easy for us to make excuses for our sin. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, so sin, as most of you know it, is um, simply missing the mark of God's divine purpose, right? It's missing the mark. But in a more practical way, sin is simply, man, wrong choices that we have made. It's really that simple. It's wrong choices that we have made. I want to keep, to keep this category of what I'm saying here. It's important. It's wrong choices that we have made. And it's based off of our ingrained beliefs, our attitudes, our habits, and our behaviors. It's something that we chose to do. I cannot drive that home enough. So, so think about it. In this category, listen, I don't care what Flip Wilson said, right? The, the, the devil didn't make you do it. And in, in this thing, man, a mean person didn't come along, push your button. Uh, a tragedy didn't happen. Man, this is just something that we wanted to do, so we did it. Right? And once again, just because we got saved, we became Christian, it doesn't mean all that uh, disappeared. Uh, it just means that basically we got saved, thank God, it's forgiven. But now we're just operating out of our default settings. Right? So listen to what the Bible says, and I think this will maybe make it a little clearer. The Bible says this in Romans seven fifteen. He says, I don't really understand myself. He for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Fast forward to verse 19. It says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. He said, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. Fast forward to verse 21. He said, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Come on, by a wave of hands, anybody say, man, I've, ever, I've been there. Yeah, amen. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. All right, so, Man. But watch this. It says in verse 22, it says, I love God's law with all my heart. Man, that's so us. It says, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. Some of your flesh, the spirit and the flesh are contrary. It says, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And then it says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. Or your translation may say, what a wretched man I am, right? He's super encouraging there. Okay, anyway, so watch this. 
So then it says this, watch this powerful question. Who will free me, freedom, who will free me from this life that is dominated that is dominated by sin and death? Watch verse 25, because it's not God's will for you just to remain in that cycle. Watch this. It says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so let, me, let me just say it this way. So many of us, we've went, man, this is just the way it's always going to be. Not according to that verse. So many Christians look at that verse and go, see, bless God, even Paul did it. First of all, there's no real biblical proof. Maybe Paul, Paul may have been talking about himself. He may not have been. Okay? There's real no proof. Everybody wants to argue and fight over that thing. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but at the end of the day, the point is, is people are missing it. The point is, is not that you can stay where you're at and just bless God, Paul gave me an excuse. The point is there at the end that uh, there's a way for me to find freedom out of it. That's the point, right? And so basically, once again, we have to continue the cycle. Now, now, watch how God does this. Now, I hope I can explain this well. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says this. So how does God bring freedom in our lives? It says, so now there is no condemnation. I cannot tell you how much, how much of the reason that people can't get free is because they just stay in condemnation. In other words, what happens is, is that they stay in the guilt, the embarrassment, and the shame of what they did in the past. That there's nowhere along the lines that they say, hey, man, I did that. Right? But there's something so powerful about admitting it. Yep, I did that. Okay, whatever. I did it. Yes? But I was forgiven. I was forgiven. Now, kind of put this in perspective. You know, who's, who's writing this? The Apostle Paul, right? We all know that. Now, now, remember what the Apostle Paul did before he got saved. He killed a bunch of Christians. So if that guy, can, after killing a whole bunch of people, can say this, then whatever you did, put that in perspective. Amen? I mean, this guy was doing his absolute best to bring down the kingdom. Yeah? So what happens is it says this, For there is now no condemnation. Why? Because we belong to Christ Jesus. To understand that, guess what? We belong to him. It's his righteousness, not ours. Thank God for that. And it says in verse 2, it says, And because you belong to Jesus, the power of the life-giving Spirit, some of the Holy Spirit, has done what? He has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Man, that's great news. Even in this sense, if we want to make uh, excuses, the Bible says that sin no longer has dominion or power over you. Are you all with me? Thank God for that, right? So here's where God's trying to get us. The Bible says this. It says that he who loves God doesn't continue to sin. Let that sink deep. It, It doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to, but it means that inside of you, you shouldn't want to. Right? That you should want to honor God with your life. That you want your life to be a worship to Him. And, and not just, you know, once again, so many people go, well, thank God for grace. <laughs> Wrong attitude. Right? Wrong attitude. And, and then it basically is, is, here's the deal. He doesn't want you to continue or continue to practice sin. So at some point, guys, here's really what I'm telling you. Is at some point in our lives, we've got to stop making excuses. And we've got to realize that Jesus, Jesus has uh, made power, the power available to set us free from all those default settings. Man, that's great news. So basically in your own heart today, you say this, man, God, I thank you that I can be free. Right? Instead of, watch this, instead of coming to church or wherever you go and putting on a mask and acting like it's all, all good, blessed and highly favored. 
from the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Right? The Lord Jesus is good, right? Are, are you all with me? Take off the mask. Get real. And thank God there's no condemnation. Right? I tell you what, the, the devil hates nothing more than us exposing the, the secrets that he wants us to keep. Because I've learned something in life, guys, that, that I can't tell you how many people that have come in my office and sat down or found me somewhere and said, hey, man, here's my sin. And, and watch, and literally watch uh, the, the, basically the, the condemnation break off of them. Because when they finally uh, basically revealed the secret, the secret lost its power over them. Yes? It's the enemy that wants you to basically kind of hold it in, all right? So let me, let me just kind of in, in, this, in this light of the victory over sin, let me tell you what happened actually one Sunday here. And uh, the person's not here, so I feel like it's okay to say it. <laughs> that sounded so bad. <laughs> they would tell you. They would tell you. They would tell you. Okay, and some of, them, some of you guys even know who I'm talking about, even though I won't mention their name. This, this person does tell people, okay? But, but one Sunday, this person came in, and they, and they uh, for years and years and years and years, they had been an alcoholic, and it struggled and struggled and struggled with alcohol. In fact, it's like first thing, waking up in the morning, they drink. Last thing, they go to bed, they drink. All right? You got a problem if you're doing that. Okay? And uh, one Sunday, he came in, and he was standing in the, in the lobby right before they left. And, and a person from our church made one comment to them. And it wasn't some deep theological comment. It was just a comment to them. And literally, in that moment, like this, they were delivered. Watch this. A year and a half later, they have not touched a drop of alcohol. and don't even, don't even crave it where they used to have to have it to function and get through life. Because it was how they dealt with stress. Are, are you following me? So, so here, here's, here's kind of what I want you to understand today. Can God deliver immediately? Yes. Does he always? No. Sometimes there's a process. But today, what we're going to do in this moment... So when I kind of asked her to play, kind of set the atmosphere, is, is if there's something there of you, I just want to believe that maybe God will break it off your life. Fair enough? If we believe Jesus is still alive, once again, it doesn't, there's nothing in the Word that says I have to struggle for 40 years for it. Nothing in there, right? So, so if you don't mind, just close your eyes. So often, let me say this just while you're there in that moment. So often these things in our lives, uh, they're really, um, don't let this word scare you. They're really idols. That sin that we hold on to. And, and by idol doesn't mean that we got some short, fat, you know, uh, porcelain doll that we bow down to in our house. It just means simply that something that sits on the throne of our hearts greater than God. Um, man, that could be, you know... For an avid sports fan, that could be a sports team, right? Or it could be, once again, food. It, it could be pornography. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could, it could be a host of things. So whatever it is that's sitting on that throne that needs to be dethroned today, uh, man, just kind of hold it up before the Lord. While you're holding it up today, let's just believe that the power of God is able to come and break that chain, to break that bondage, to break that mindset, to break that stronghold that's over your life that causes you to depend on that thing. How do you know if it's an idol? 
uh, because when somebody mentions it, you get mad. You get angry and you try to defend your right that it's okay for you to have it. The reason you get mad is because you feel like they're getting in your business and getting in your life. No, all they're doing is, is basically the, the light is exposing darkness in you. So if you got your thing, say, oh, yeah. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you have the power to deliver and set free. Lord, deliverance doesn't mean that we have a demon and it's deliverance just simply means we have carnal nature that needs to die. So, Father, I'm asking, not working up any emotions, but God, I'm just asking for every person that's in this room that's got their oh yeah. Lord, I'm asking that you would absolutely break the power of that thing over their life. God, the same way that you delivered my brother from alcohol, Father, I ask that you deliver every one of these people, God, from whatever sin that they've been holding on to. Father, I pray today that not only would you um, reveal it, but God, I, believe, I pray, God, the lie that they believe that has taken them to that spot, that you would reverse that lie, God, and you'd reveal truth. And Father, that your word would land so strong in their heart, uh, God, that they, that they would literally, uh, God, not want that thing anymore. God, that every craving, that every urge, that every desire to do it, God, we'd be broken and they would be free in Jesus' name. Amen. The second thing that freedom brings in our lives is this, is freedom, uh, it heals our past wounds. This is so true, isn't it? Heals our past wounds. So watch this. So where sin is what we do, wounds is this, it's defined like this, it's defined the negative things or events that happened to us that we had no control over. It's It's what's been done to us. So in this category, watch this. It's real simple. We didn't ask for it. It wasn't our fault. We, somebody hurt us. Somebody used us. Somebody abused us. Somebody betrayed us. Somebody rejected and abandoned us. Somebody said harsh and critical things over us. And, uh, you know, maybe it was something that was unexpected. Maybe somebody passed away. Maybe there was a divorce. Maybe it was just how you were raised. But whatever it is, y'all look here, that whatever it is, that uh, you still feel beaten and battered and broken over it. And here we are all these years later, you still feel the effects. L- listen, it could be a simple thing as this. And this may seem so silly to some of y'all, but I'm telling you, I've talked with too many people and it's true. You, you could go all the way back to when you were 11 years old and-, and your father or your mother could have said one thing to you out of frustration and you haven't gotten past it yet. It's really that simple. I'm talking to anybody. All right. Let me show you this verse here. And, and if you're a theologian, you're going to get mad because it's kind of out of context. But, hey, we're going to use it this way. I'm going to smile at you, all right? Because I think there's a principle that's hidden in here. So don't get upset, all right? It says this. It says, uh, and don't sin by letting anger control you. The reason I want to use this verse is because we tend to get angry by something that was done to us, right? Somebody went to go wound us and we got ticked off and angry. Or has that just happened to me? All right. Then watch this. It says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And here's part of what you see. For anger, or we'll say this, for wounds can give a foothold to the devil. Boy, that's so accurate. And, and I'm sure you've heard the thing that if you give him an inch, he'll take a... 
mile. Man, he's so good at that. He's been doing this a long time. Now, now watch this so you can kind of understand. Obviously, the devil doesn't want anybody getting saved. We all know that, right? But what happens when we do? I want you to know that he will fight tooth and nail to make sure you don't get free from your wounds. He will fight with everything's in him. Why? Because he wants that foothold in your life because he knows this. If you're taking notes, write this down because he knows that if we don't let go of our past, we'll never walk into our future. If you can, if you can understand this, watch. I have seen for years and years and years, and I'm sure I've done this myself. Watch this. We said there's four promises. Salvation, right? Freedom, basically uh, restoration, which basically means that we know our purpose in God. And the next one is basically fulfillment. That's where we're making a difference. I've seen so many Christians get saved, and because they don't want to deal with the freedom part because they have to deal with their past, they try to bypass that and get to their purpose, and they wonder why they've been at this thing for 20 years, and it seems like nothing's really ever taken hold. They never got any traction. And the reason is, is because in, in the journey with God, you cannot bypass that one. It's impossible. Are you with me? Listen, it doesn't mean that you can't get here and work through things and get some purpose and, and get fulfillment and make a difference. But, but you have to go through this. You know, there's that thing of, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Nobody wants to talk about the death in their lives. Okay? But you've got to confront the death in your life if you want to receive life. If you want something to be resurrected, you've got to go to the tomb. Are you all hearing me today? So watch this. If the devil, I just kind of said it, but if the devil can keep us from experiencing true freedom, then we'll never reach the third and the fourth promises, purpose and fulfillment. And here's why. Uh, is because if he can keep us here, then that ultimately eliminates us from being a threat to his kingdom. I've said that to you a hundred times. But that, so, so that's why, listen to me. That's why so many Christians feel like they're so stuck in this spot. In fact, uh, you know, obviously, if you look at the, the four promises, this is, I would say, a probably high majority or high percentage of Christians are at. They've never got out of, uh, if you remember the first week, they've never, they've never uh, drank from cup two, the cup of freedom, okay, the cup of redemption. They've never had it. So last night, I, I actually... Um, I was uh, laying in bed and, and uh, trying to go to sleep. And this verse came to my mind in this area. And, and it simply said, said this. I forget what's behind me. I press on towards the mark of the high calling. Gang, it's doable. It's doable to forget those things in the past. And, and it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to share something with you kind of maybe, maybe unique. Maybe really unique. Maybe... I think four years ago now, something like that. If Brian was still here, he could he could answer it. But my pastor's son died of a heroin overdose, and uh, it was basically a few days after Christmas. He had been calling him because the whole family that the family gathered down at the beach. He had to work, so he stayed uh, in town. You know, basically had battled and battled and battled. Um, you know, started smoking pot, and then just kind of progressed till he was just on heroin. Then then was going to the whole. Uh, uh, you know, clinic trying to, you know, you know, substitute it and all that stuff. And then the doc said, look, man, you could do it one more time. And your heart could explode. You need to. So at 28 years old, he did it one more time and, and he, he died. Now watch this. Here's the reason I'm telling you this is um, my pastor was at the beach and he was calling his son. 
and he, and he just kept calling me. He knew something was up. And when he came home, he, he, came, he came in the front door and he screamed, Caleb! Caleb! Caleb would be upstairs maybe watching TV. He was hoping, even though he knew something, the Holy Spirit was stirring. And, um, and he heard God say, you need to go up there. So he, so he walked upstairs and he turned the corner and he looked down the hall and there was a, basically there's an entertainment room, bedroom, 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 uh, like a playroom with a bathroom in it. And he saw his, his son's legs hanging out. And he walks over there and his son's already turned black because he's been dead for like two days. And, uh, and, he, and he finds him. Now watch this. He comes back and there's, I mean, there's all kinds of miracles in all this, but I'm telling you, so it sounds like all gloom and doom, but it's really I mean, it was horrible, but it wasn't all bad. Um, God has a way of turning things. So anyway, so he, he's walking, he's walking and uh, stops. God speaks to him, and he goes downstairs. And, man, you know, just as a church, we went, man, we went through it. Obviously, nothing compares to that family. But here's what's so amazing. He said, God, because all night he, he just kept seeing his son's face. I mean, this is a kid I used to babysit. So, I mean, I, you know, oh, Jesus, help me, Right. And so um, he said, kept saying, he said, God, I can't live seeing that every day. So I need you to remove that. And you know what God did? Remove that. Doesn't forget the pain necessarily, but the moment, man, God, he forgot it. He can't see it. God did a miracle. Are you following me? So if God can do that. Do, do, do I, Pastor, are you saying that when, you know, when I was five and that man touched me, that I could, yeah, there's healing for that. There's healing for that. Right? You name it. There's healing for that. Because the Bible says that Jesus came to heal us, right? Not only physically, but also mentally and also emotionally. He came to heal us so we could be free. Right? And, and so listen to me. If there's anything in your life that you say, well, you know, that's too big, that's too strong, then you don't know who the healer is because he never put a limitation on his healing. He didn't say, yeah, but with anywhere in there. Am I right? So, so Jen told me something last night, and this may sound super weird, and, but, but she actually reminded me of something that our pastor did. And she said basically some things that just happened in her childhood, growing up, some things that happened, and, and basically she couldn't get over. And, um, and she said, Pastor did this, and basically that was a turning point in my life. And I just want to do it today. For some of you guys that have never been in church like this, it's going to seem so weird to you. It's okay. It's a safe place, okay? Because there are certain things that God will do that are symbolic, that mean certain things. And... Um, you know, I can't tell you how many people that I've been praying with at the altar and God would give me some instruction to tell them if it was, uh, you know, telling the person to take two steps back and, uh, you know, the count of three, take a step forward, that they're basically leaving all that stuff from behind and, and basically that they're going to step into newness with God and not touching anybody, watch them step forward, watching the power of God hit them, right? And seeing freedom change, <laughs> just lift off of them, okay? So I'm going to do something today. I'm going to follow what my pastor did. So if you can, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to face the back wall. Close your eyes and face the back wall. I want you to put your hands out in front of you. Listen, guys, please don't blow this moment off. Just be weird with me for a minute. Just believe Jesus can do something. It's really about faith, not necessarily about what we're doing. Here's my hope for today while you're just standing there. 
is that you would confront your past wounds so that you can experience the amazing joy and the freedom and the spiritual, uh, you know, freedom, the life that Jesus wants to bring. Because, see, there's so many people here uh, that's in this room that, uh, you know, you don't need the assurance of your salvation, but you need to experience the benefits of salvation. Does that make sense? So, so do me a favor. Actually, put your hands in front of you like you're holding something. Like you're holding something. Not like you're praying for somebody, but like you're holding something. Just take a moment with God and, and, and just something that's in your yesterday. Some wound, something's been done out of your control. But man, you know you need healing. You may be 75, you may be 80 years old, you may be 25 years old in this room. But man, you haven't been able to shake it. And I'm telling you, the power of God can break it off of you today. Let me say something to you. Um, there's generational crap that's been in y'all's families and lies that y'all have believed. If it's that old suicide thing and depression, if it's lust, if it's uh, heart attacks, if it's cancer, whatever, there, there's been generational stuff. Now, the Bible says there's generational blessings, but the Bible says that Jesus came to break the curse. So he broke all of that. We just got to get in agreement with him. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. yeah. All right. If you got your thing, say, yep, yep. All right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today, God, that as every person is facing their yesterday with their wounds in their hands and their hurt in their hands. Jesus, I thank you that you came to bring healing and freedom. God, that today is the day that we forget those things. And we turn around and we press on towards the mark of the high calling and freedom. So God, every, every scar. I have a friend. I have a friend that something supernatural happens in his ministries. And, and you know, once again, you can believe this or not. Doesn't matter. Doesn't change. It's true. Um. Thousands of kids come to this guy's meetings. I, I used to work with him when I was a young guy. Um, and people, you know, kids that are cutters, that would cut themselves. That literally when the power of God in the altar call, when they start praying for kids, that literally kids would have scars all up their arms. God would give them new skin. So today we're going to believe that God's going to give you new skin. He's going to give you a new heart that's free of those wounds free of those pains, free of all that just mess that you've been carrying. So say this to me today. Say, Father, I give you my wounds. I give you my hurts. I know you're the great healer. And I ask you to heal this spot. Today, today, I close the door on my yesterdays. And I step into the new with you. So let every lie, so let every lie and every curse be broken today in the name of Jesus. With your eyes closed, I just want you to turn around and come on, step into today.
not looking for a feeling at this moment. We're just looking for faith. So Jesus, I thank you, God, that as every one of us have turned around and stepped into a new, God, that all that stuff. In fact, Lord, I just believe today just for peace. Just humor me for a minute. On the count of three, I just want you to take a big old deep breath in and then count three and want you release it. One, two, three, big breath in. Count three, release it. Peace of God come. Some of y'all feel the peace that y'all ain't felt in a long time. Amen. You may be seated. Third thing. That's good, yeah? If you're visiting, we're really not weird, just so you know, okay? <laughs> Grab my around after you leave, say, does he always do that? No. All right, so whatever, okay? It is what it is. All right. Y'all feel different? Yeah, amen. All right, third thing freedom brings, and we got to get on the pony and move here. All right, Uh, the third thing freedom brings is this, and this is so good, but it brings authority over the enemy. brings authority over the enemy. Because everybody listen to me, please. It's not good enough that we get free. We need to stay free. So, so today we can, we can come in here and we can have these moments with God and then we can, then we can roll out and just, ah, let's get back to normal. And the devil kicks our butt and we end up right back in the spot. But, but listen, that's not the will of God for you, okay? Look at this verse here really quick. First uh, Peter 5, 8, and 9, it says this. It says, stay alert. Wake up, right? It says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. It says, he prowls around like a roaring lion. Notice he is not a roaring lion. He's an imitation of the Lion of Judah. Okay? So he doesn't have the same authority. He doesn't have the same power. He's an imposter. He's a fake. All right? It says he's looking for someone to devour. Notice it doesn't say he can devour anybody. He says he's looking for somebody. So he's prowling around seeing who, who doesn't know their authority so he can who y'all. Is that what y'all's Bible says? And then it says this. It says in verse 9, Stand firm against him and be strong in your what? Your faith. What is our faith in? It's in the Word of God. Amen? So listen, if you're aware of it or not today, it didn't hook you, it didn't pook you, but man, there's a real devil. And he hates you. Okay? And he is going to do everything he can to undermine the life that God wants for you. Everything. And so here's the thing. If you, if you don't uh, learn how to take your authority and stand against him, he will kick your butt and destroy your life. Everybody watch right here, please. If we don't use our authority, what happens is, is once again, we get free and we move on with life. And he comes and he begins to bring lies again and we believe it. And he keeps us in bondage. Not the will of God for you. Okay? Watch this verse right here. This is the will of God for you. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in, the, and in his mighty power. Notice, it is not yours. It's not, it's not my might, not my power, Right? It's the Spirit of the Lord, right? It says this, put on the full armor of God so that you can take 
your stand, your stand, nobody can stand for you, your stand against the devil's schemes or his strategies. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So I'm going to make this really quick. We can talk about this on a later date. But listen, it is so imperative, so important that you know your identity in God, that you know the word of God, and that you know how to pray the word of God over your lives and over your circumstances, because that's the only way you'll ever have a authority over the enemy. So everybody look here, a little, little secret for you, okay? Whatever you're going through, go get you a verse. If you're going through sickness, find out what the Bible says about healing. If you're going through depression, go find out what the Bible says about joy. You with me? If you need provision, go find out what the Bible says about provision. And you grab a hold of that scripture with everything that's in you and you pray your guts out on it. Right? Because listen to me. If you go back and you look at what the Bible says right before that, we, we have, I think, six pieces of the armor of God. If I memory, memory serves me right, five of those are just simply for defensive. There's one that's for the offense. And that's the sword. So if you do not know the word of God, you have no way to combat the enemy. Yes? And it's not just knowing the word. Oh, look at me. It's knowing the word. And how do I know the difference if I can quote it or if I can live it? <laughs> Big difference. Can I live the word? That's where I learn how to wield the thing. Amen? Amen. All right. I don't even want to go to this next part. Man, the anointing is so strong right now. All right, we got to, though. So, so how are we? Totally changing gears here. Um, yeah. So, Father, I just asked this today. God, that every person that's in this room, Lord, I pray, God, that you would begin to teach them well, what does the Bible say there? It says, to teach me how to uh, prepare my fingers for battle, my hands for war. Is that right? Man, God, that you would teach us how to do war against the enemy. Uh, God, there's men and women here that have been in the military. Uh, God, they know how to fight the, the physical enemy. But, Lord, I'm asking that you teach them how to fight the spiritual enemy. Lord, I'm asking, God, in this room that we would not be weak uh, weak believers, but Lord, we'd be strong that we'd literally put on the full armor of God. And so Lord, even today, God, whatever situations that's in each household, Lord, I'm asking God that you would give them a, a life verse for this season that they need to wield against the enemy in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So, uh, totally shifting gears. Um, how are we as a church? How are we going to help people, uh, find freedom? Okay. Obviously there's parts that we do as a church. So obviously worship once again, I mean, we've seen, over the years, the power of God moved in amazing ways through worship. We've seen the power of God move through, um, you know, through preaching of the word. We've seen the power of God move uh, through praying for people at the altar. But probably the most consistent way that uh, we see people help find freedom is this. And don't miss the simplicity of this because it's so simple. And if you think about it, you'll see why the enemy attacks it so much. But it's through this. It's through relationships. It's through relationships. Uh, you know, I, I spent time on the phone yesterday with a person for about an hour, and, and, and basically half of what they talked about was, was basically conflict in their family. Why? Because the devil hates relationships. All right? Now, watch this. When it comes to freedom, here's where a lot of people make a big mistake, and I'm going to talk to about half of you right here, all right? So, so don't, don't check out. Don't think I'm talking to your neighbor. I am talking to you, all right? Here's what so many people think. They say this. They say, I'll work it out. Come with their freedom. I'll work it out with God privately, just between him and me. Anybody ever done that? I want you to know that's a mistake. And the reason it's a mistake is because that's only part of God's plan. 
if we're going to get freedom, we've got to follow his guidelines. So obviously, everybody listen. 1 John 1, 9, we know it, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and thank God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's half the plan. So there's part, obviously, we to go to God. Some of us in this room, we go to people more than we go to God. Fix that. Fix that. Because listen to me. Y'all, I'm going to be strong with you right now. Uh, because you're, you're a leech and you're, and you're draining all the people you keep running to. And you come and they want to run. You know why? Because Here's why. Because you're trying to make them the Holy Spirit and they're not your Holy Spirit. Okay, so you're trying to make them be somebody they're not and that is death to anyone. Can I get an amen? amen. So go to God. Amen. Go to him first. First, he is our high priest. Amen. So secondly... Here's what the Bible says, James 5, 16. Here's the other half of the plan. Therefore, therefore, confess your sins to yourself. Does it say that? It don't even say confess it to God in that scripture. It says confess your sin to each other and pray for each other. Don't be at your house doing this. Jesus, touch me. All right, get somebody else pray for you. Y'all don't even get the joke there. Anyways, <laughs> confess your sin to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Can I put it in So you may be whole, so you may be free. Are, are y'all with me today? Here's, here's the point, y'all. Here's the, once again, the Bible is written in, a, in, a, in a, basically a relationship context. It's a relationship with God. The whole book is about relationship with God and relationship with people, the entire thing. All right? And, and so it's this, that real life change, real freedom happens in the context of authentic relationships. Can't get around it. Here's what I'm trying to say, that God uses people to find freedom. In fact, I heard one pastor say, and I agree mostly with the comment. He said this, that we go to God for forgiveness and we go to people for healing. And he's using those scriptures. And I get what he's saying, can Jesus heal? Yes, 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 yes. But it still says right there that people have a part to play in it. That's why it's so important that, that some of us drop that spiritual attitude that you know everything and you actually begin a teachable spirit. And you actually, when people talk to you and you learn to say, God, are they, is that from you? That's humility. A lot of us would grow tremendously if we could just get that one down. I've been too strong with you all day. So true, isn't it? So listen, God uses people to help us find freedom, grow spiritually. The Bible says it's iron shop and iron, right? That, that's people, okay? So let me kind of give you an example and we'll progress here. But... Uh, the Bible continually says that we are, watch this, we're part of the family of God. We're part of the body of Christ. We're the flock of God. It says that we are part of a fellowship, right? Is that all true? Okay, what do all of those have in common? They're all groups. They're all groups. And, and see, it, it's this thing that, that I think it's God's heart for us as a church. I'll listen because I really think this is the Lord. I, I think he's trying to get us out of rows and he wants to get us in circles. And the reason is, is because, once again, if I'm in a row, I just stare at the back of somebody's head. Even when the pastor tells me to turn around, everybody else turned around too. <laughs> right? But, but, God, but God wants us to get in a circle so we can see people face to face. And there's transparency there. Right? And, and, and it's this, that as a church, we want to provide an opportunity that's a safe place. And for you can be transparent. But watch this. So you can, so you can have uh, three uh, basically needs that every person in this room has. Now listen, 
that you can feel loved, that you can feel like you belong, and that you can feel like you're valued. Every one of us have it. And the thing is, is if, if the devil can remain and keep me isolated, right, I'm more spiritual than them. Well, I can do this on my own. I, all, all, that, all those lies. But guess what? He's robbing us of, of freedom. So true, right? All right. So um, here we go. Man, this music is like amazing. Thank you. All right. Watch this real quick. If, you, if you're going to help us, we're, we're about to start small groups. Okay? The reason we want to do small groups is because that's about as close to the authentic community we can get. I, I want you to understand something real quick, okay? The people that we're about to show you are people that somewhere along the line that felt, basically felt like from God that they need to open up their home, open up a place. Because why? Because they felt like they need to be committed to you. Don't miss this. And I'm asking today as your pastor to make a commitment to them. Are y'all following me? I've been walking with Jesus a long time. Spiritual growth is never convenient. Change is never convenient. But I believe if we get this thing down with a few other things, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off humongous dividends for us as a church. My hope is that we would get bigger, but this is how we get smaller as we get bigger. So let me tell you what, uh, let me tell you what you're going to get from these people, okay? In other words, if you go to any of these groups, here's what you are going to find, okay? You're going to find four things. You're going to find that you will be encouraged. You'll find that they're going to share a scripture somewhere along the line. All this is at different levels, okay? In other words, there's different uh, target, different goals in all of these. And uh, the, the third thing you're going to find is you're going to find prayer. If we do nothing else other than just pray for each other, man, stuff's going to change. Here's my hope. Is that when you get in the house, and I realize that some of y'all are going to feel awkward, whatever, and it'll take time for all you guys. After a while, you, you won't want to leave these people, okay? But I believe that when this guy starts praying for me, and we can drop our walls, man, that God's going to start talking. Yes? And, and he's going to do something in my heart, do something in his heart, and there's bonds that are going to be made that, man, that, that nobody can break. Are y'all, y'all with me? There's nothing more intimate than praying with someone. Okay? I just scared y'all. All right. So encouragement, share scripture, prayer. And my hope is that the other thing that these guys do is that they help you identify your next step and what you need to do. So part of this will be is my hope is, is that you guys will even bring your unsaved friends to these people's houses. Because I found out in life that a lot of times somebody will go to somebody's house before they'll go to a church. My pastor got saved at a Bible study, Right? And so he didn't get saved in no church. He got saved at a Bible study. He got healed at one of those, got baptized in the Holy Ghost in one of those, not the church. This isn't us four and no more. Don't be afraid to bring somebody, all right? We all got room to grow. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for all some people that want to be committed to relationships. Father, we pray that you would bless us today. And uh, thank you for just your word being sealed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.